Welcome in, everybody. I'm Kyle. He's Derek. And this is the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. And we are so excited to be back. Episode 8. And we are starting right off the bat with the quick question that you guys have all been waiting for. I'm ready. Hit me with it, Kyle. This one comes in from uh, listener A.V., a good friend of the show. Good friend of the show. Great friend of the show, A.V. What is, Derek... One of your youth pastor, youth ministry horror stories. How many days do we have to record this podcast? (laughs) This is going to be an hour and a half episode at least. There are all kinds of good ones. My favorite one that I am going to talk about pertains to a youth event I did early on in youth ministry called Turkey Bowling. It's a classic it is a great, Do you want to real quick describe Turkey Bowling for those who are less enlightened? So you bowl... With a frozen turkey. Wow, that's super complicated. It is super in-depth. We we go the, the next level with it. We went to the local bowling alley, asked them for a donation of any extra pins they had. They gave us the most colorful, horrendous-looking, ugly pins, but they're legit pins. They're awesome, and our floors in our church are like a hard epoxy. So we set up the pins in the back of the sanctuary, and then we literally go and get a frozen turkey from the grocery store, and bowl it down the center aisle between the chairs. And because of the nature of our, our floor, when it knocks on the pins, it echoes, it reverberates. It's just a good, good time. But my horror story comes in because I was promoting this the first year. I was really excited. got the full pins, got donated with the turkeys. The kids were so excited about it. It's Wednesday at 3 o'clock, and I get an email from a parent. And let the record show, emails from parents are usually not the greatest. They can be good. They're almost not good no matter when they come in. But 3 o'clock on a Wednesday, you know it's not going to be. Usually not great. So I open this email, and all respect to this person, I am not, um, This the nature of the story does not come from me thinking that their beliefs are incorrect or flawed or bad, but... The application of their beliefs was may off. have been a little bit flawed. They are choosing, they have chosen to live a vegan lifestyle because they believe the Bible says we all should be vegans, which I tend to disagree with, but I will leave that there. The interesting part of the story occurred when they informed me that their students would not be attending us, attending this event with us because it was cruel and awful that I was using this frozen turkey to go bowling with. (laughs) It was interesting. I was thinking, I don't believe us using a turkey to go bowling is going to bring that turkey's life back, nor do I think p- turkeys are being slaughtered for this purpose. My hymns is already dead. <laughs> it, I literally, it was one of those moments where it's like, did this really just happen? Is, <laughs> is, is this a prank? Am I being punked right now? There's no way this is legitimate. But sure enough, students did not show up, and it was quite interesting. That's That's... One of that's it's unique, you know. Yeah, it's it's definitely unique. And uh, for my first youth ministry horror story that I'll share, I'm actually going to uh, piggyback off of Derek because not only does Derek and his youth ministry do turkey bowling, uh, our youth ministry actually does turkey bowling as well. And it works out really, really well because we just share the pins because we don't do it on the same night. Right. And so... And turkeys. One year we shared turkeys. That's true. You did it before me. You taped up the turkeys. Let me borrow them. It was awesome. Yeah. Pro tip, if you're going to do turkey bowling, frozen turkey bowling, first of all, make sure the turkey's frozen. Don't use a... That is a more decision. thawed turkey. (laughs) There's a salmonella outbreak in our local (laughs) churches. That's Why are they licking the turkey? (laughs) Maybe they're licking their hands after they bowled with the turkey. It would also be interesting. I can just envision that of this oh it's not going anywhere no no you gotta it'd be more of a shot pit shot shot put put. shot Shot put put. than than bowling on that one but let's be honest though someone has definitely not made that connection before and failed so oh for sure yeah frozen turkeys are important frozen turkeys are important but what we do is we will completely wrap them in duct tape and it just it helps keep everything nice and tight together uh you know it, the turkey's not going to de-thaw over the course of you spending a half hour bowling with it, but yes. it will get a little bit warmer. And, uh, you know, just wrapping it 
in about half a roll of duct tape does the trick and it helps it slide a little bit easier. So that's always good. But, uh, so we were doing our frozen Turkey bowling, uh, mistake number one in our main sanctuary <laughs> down the center aisle. Whoops. And the center and, and our main sanctuary has wooden pews in it. And one of our students rolls. The, and that's the other thing. It actually was kind of beneficial our sanctuary seating it the floor slopes toward the yep. sanctuary a little bit yep and so we were actually going downhill with our turkey bowling which made it more fun but also got the ball rolling much, much quicker faster. and he rolls the frozen turkey and the frozen turkey is not perfectly round <laughs> no it can not take it can take some weird bounces along the way so it took a little bit of a weird bounce and we actually cracked one of the church pews. I actually think it might have been the front row church pew. Of course uh, it was. On the left-hand side, right in the middle, uh, right in the middle aisle with a frozen turkey. And because, I mean, let's be honest, every youth pastor out there knows it wasn't a youth event if you didn't break something. Oh, absolutely. So that was what we broke. And uh, it it was, I mean, I got some wood glue the next day and, you know, clamped it together and it's all good and it's still in there. You would, you wouldn't even tell, but if it's any consolation, the first year we did this, the first year that I got this email, I did not establish the rule of the bird needs to stay on the ground. Nice. So we had some of our older, wiser football playing yeah, who decided to do more like of a hammer throw approach where they like oh, spin in yes. circles with the handle and then just let her rip. And it got about three-fourths of the way there before it hit the ground. And it hit the ground because it smoked a chair. <laughs> and the turkey went one way, it made an awful noise. Thankfully, we have the chairs that like disconnect individually, so like it didn't hurt the chair sure. at all. But I was like, and that's enough of that. No more hammer throwing. The moral of the, the story is... Turkey bowling is amazing. You should definitely do 100% it. hundred percent recommend. But think through the finer details and make sure the rules are established. Yes. I mean, anybody who's spent more than 12 minutes in youth ministry knows that students will look for every loophole that they can. Naturally. When you explain the rules to something. Yep. So making sure that you do so thoroughly. And have your church card handy because you will need to repair and fix things. Yeah, that's... You might want a... Uh, restoration budget. Just build it into the cost. It'll be good. <laughs> I love it. But hey, we're not here to talk about just horror stories, Derek. Uh, we're here to talk about family. Oh, <laughs> we are awful. We're terrible people. Yeah. No, we're good people. Just stupid. Yeah. That's. But that's part of being a youth pastor. So. Yeah. It is what it is. Now we're here to talk about family in ministry, uh, because ministry can be a beast it can take up a lot of time and family needs to be important it uh that i feel like that should go without saying but family uh in ministry can be a very very difficult balance and so we want to talk about today how to balance family and ministry well and derek we're going to ask the first question here we're going to start on the ministry side and establish what does it take to be a ministry how long how long does how much time does it take a lot more than people think <laughs> i will never forget i have a youth student i love her she's awesome but i will never forget she was standing in my foyer after we had a student leadership thing and i was saying that i it was a sunday night and i was telling her that i was super busy monday and tuesday and she looks at me and she goes what do you do on Monday and Tuesday? All you have to do is come in on Wednesdays and Sundays. It's true. And I sat there, like, because, like, believe it or not, this question is something that you and I get asked a lot. Oh, it's shocking. My How, like, favorite what's your real job? What's your? I was gonna say that's my favorite question. Is what's your real job? To to answer everybody, this is my real job. Uh, ministry does take a lot more time than people realize. There's a lot more things that happen behind the scenes, organizationally, administratively, that nobody will ever see. And we don't need to feel validated in that. We know it's just a part of the job. But the reality is a 40-hour work week in ministry is abnormal. Not in the way of less, in the way of... I can't remember last time I only worked 40 hours. Uh, I usually fall somewhere between 50 and 60 in a normal week on event-type weeks. And when you can incorporate being up with students, you're looking at 80 to 100. 
uh it's just it's 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 part of the what's, job what's 24 times 7 because i've had a couple of those work weeks <laughs> mission <laughs> teams baby <laughs> yeah it, it it definitely does take a lot and and the reality is it's not just hourly right it's it's the emotional weight you carry in ministry of even though we don't try to the reality is we care about our students we care about our communities we care Hold about on. what we do you're telling me you don't try to care about your students but it just happens uh, right exactly <laughs> i really tried not to care about them kyle, kyle understands he gets it but it <laughs> it really does just take a lot and so even sometimes when you're at home quote unquote being off you're still processing things you're still working through things you're still just feeling like you're engaged in your work in your ministry even though you're not actively doing it and so it truly is a full-time gig and then some Right. And having for and both of us are, you know, paid full time yep. to be on staff here at at the churches that we work at. That is abnormal yes. for for most youth pastors and, and youth workers out there. And so for for a youth pastor who is not full time at their church, they're probably working full or part time at another job. Something else. Yeah. And so that just compounds the amount of time that that they're putting into work yep. quote unquote. you know it's it's going to be you know 20 or 40 hours at another job on top of you know 20 30 40 hours being a youth pastor and oftentimes in those circumstances you know if you like for for the two of us being full-time on staff either a you know we're going to wear more than one hat or b you know there's probably more going on yeah within our youth ministry than there would be in a ministry being, you know, maybe it's a smaller church. And so, you know, they can't pay the youth pastor a full or a part-time salary. Uh, And so, you know, you don't have as much time to make some things happen. And, you know, there are things that it's awesome that we get to be able to do here at our church because, you know, I have a full, I have, that's my number one goal with, with my job is to focus on our youth ministry. Uh, you know, even for you, you're wearing more hats than just being the youth pastor yep. uh, at your church, and that creates its own problems yeah. for for how much time you're willing to, or for how much time you have to put into different aspects of your job. It becomes one of those deals where I want to commit this time, and I want to have this level of excellence, but that means that I need to sacrifice another part of my job, or those things I just mentioned. And that is a tough thing to to balance. And this is not a poor us. Youth ministry is so hard, but it is truly something that it becomes one big juggling match of just trying to figure out how you're going to get all that you want to do accomplished while still being present with your family. And that's that piece right there, figuring out how family fits into the middle of it is a big one because the reality is what we're going to talk about this is Ministry should come second fiddle to your family. Your family is important. Biblically, God talks about how your relationship with him comes first, followed by your family, followed by work and ministry. And so, you know, that, that, that that's the, the nature of this episode. But Kyle and I also, on top of being abnormal for being full-time on staff, we really exist in the, in the small margin of people whose wives are also working full-time. It is very, very common within the youth ministry world to or, have... Or ministry in general. In general, yeah, to have um, the spouse of the pastor being a, a huge help to the church, whether it's being a stay-at-home parent or whether it's being um, part-time employed by the church and nothing else. The, is, the other occupation, real quick, that I'll throw in that is super, super common uh, would be you know teaching. Yep. to some degree, whether that's uh, you know being being a full time teacher or uh, you know sub being a part of a, a substitute rotation yep. uh, within local schools, that's that's another one that, that yeah. I see really really often because in, it fits uh, in well pastors. in it fits well into the church context, right? As a, and, you know, especially in youth ministry, your entire schedule is you know rotating around the school schedule, and yep. so when your spouse is a teacher in that school system. Uh, you know, your schedules tend to line up quite nicely. <laughs> yeah, and you'll notice Kyle and I are very intentionally using spouse and not wife because the reality is the pastoral field is predominantly male. Right. There are Why a lot is of, that, Derek? 
that's another episode <laughs> entirely. We will say, you know, one one of the things that you know leads to the youth pastor positions and and just pastors in general being predominantly male is, you know, interpreting scripture one way versus, you know, there there are a lot of churches and a lot of individuals out there that will interpret scripture uh, you know, maybe differently than Derek and I would that would say, you know, these pastoral roles are only for men. Yeah. And, you know, Derek and I, like, I I am super blessed to be on staff, you know, here at Riverdale with, you know, multiple female pastors yes. that are just absolutely killing it. Yep. And, you know, my sister is also full-time on staff yeah. at a church down in Nashville. And so shout out to my sister. Um, but, and good so friend that's of the show, your sister. good friend of the show, my sister. Uh, and so that creates um, a, a world, a field of, you know, pastors that is predominantly male. Not even though not everybody, you know, holds that view of scripture, you know, there are a lot out there that do. And, you know, part of it is just a cultural thing. Yeah. And so we, we want to be a w- cognizant because I, I am a product of a amazing woman who is a pastor. She was my youth pastor. She's a big part of my life. Um, and the reality is, like, just because her spouse is a dude doesn't mean he or, she, you know, he is any less than whatever. So there, there's just going to be some negative connotations that I think people can unintentionally demoralize the value of a of a spouse who is in the ministry. But again, going back to, to our wives, um, they are, they are the rarity. They are the exception Mm -hmm. of, of pastors, wives who are employed full time doing something that is entirely different than ministry. Your wife, Kyle is an architect. My wife is a social worker. Uh, they are both working in the field that they study to go into which is very, very uncommon, and it it creates a very unique dynamic as opposed to someone who maybe is a, we'll call them full-time pastoral spouse who is at the beck and call of the pastor to come and assist. (laughs) Full-time pastoral spouse. You know what I mean, though? Like, (laughs) like they're obviously not being paid, but, like, some people straight up, like, they are a stay-at-home parent, and they are, they know that they are called to, assist and be the spouse of the pastor and doing whatever they can to help out. Yeah. I remember, I remember times at North central, uh, where, you know, I, I'm, I've met people before where they felt that they were called by God to be a pastor's spouse, Yep. which is like, that's, I mean, if that's what God's called you to, that's what God's called you to. I'm not going to argue with that. But it is a very, it's a very specific calling. Yes. And you better pick your spouse, right? <laughs> you know, right? They better be a pastor then. Right. Yeah, and 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 so sometimes when, when your spouse is working full time or is working very closely with you in ministry, it looks a lot different than how it looks like for you and I, whose wives go out of the house, go into the workplace, go into the marketplace work full time and then when they're in ministry with us it's just different so Kyle, kind of talk to me about like what that looks like for you guys and how that changes uh Michaela's perspective of ministry for you and her yeah so we're kind of cheating because my wife does work full time but she is still working from home uh as an as an after effect from COVID her office has not uh gone back in and we're hoping that that doesn't happen anytime soon because working from home is really nice especially when you have to drive down to St. Paul every day. That's true. Her commute is usually anywhere from 45 to an hour one way. And so because of traffic and so when when she doesn't have to do that that's awesome. Yep. Uh we we like that. We like the gas money that we don't spend. We like the parking the the parking pass that we don't spend and so that's uh that's super nice but uh, she does still, you know, that's, that's the other thing I don't want to diminish because we probably do have, uh, some listeners who, you know, they or their spouse are still working from home as, as a COVID after effect. And there's a lot of people that are doing that still. And it's, it's not any less of a full-time job. Correct. Just because you are working from home. You right. know, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, diminish that or, or think that my wife, oh, like she's, she's just at home and I can ask her to do anything that I want or she can go do anything that she wants. No, she still has a job that she needs to do. And so, uh, she is still working full time, uh, there right now. And, 
it it does definitely affect uh you know or or it's different you know when it comes to ministry uh you know she is also her personality is is different from what we would say a lot of youth ministry or or pastor ministry spouses would be uh, she is an awesome sounding board and I take a lot of youth ministry ideas, run them by her and then change course when I realize, oh, that's a bad idea. Sure. Uh, you know, her being gifted in discernment yep. is also a huge bonus for that. Um, but what, like for me, when I come home at the end of the day, she is also ending a full day's work. Yes. And so we both are in that decompression mode. Uh, you know, where, Hey, let's, you know, sometimes there's, there's about, I don't know how long it is, but there's a loop around our neighborhood that we'll walk. It takes us, you know, 15, 20 minutes to walk. And we love just walking that loop. You know, we'll talk about ministry. We'll talk about her job. We'll talk about, you know, our families, whatever it is. And, and it's a great opportunity for just us to just decompress. Um, but I'm not expecting her to, you know, volunteer, yeah, and being one of my key volunteers that right. is at every single event that we do. And, you know, she is not at every single camp that we do and mission teams that she's not a part of every single one of those. She would love to be more involved than she is, but because she has a full-time job, she is not like that. That takes up 40 hours a week and, yep. and she has vacation days. And that's something that, you know, in ministry, we we kind of work around as a as a puzzle piece. And I think it's safe to say, I don't know this as a fact, but I assume it's the same way as it is with my wife and I. You start to understand that ministry is not exclusive to the church building. Ministry is <laughs> a very broad calling. It's a very broad thing that you do. And so, yes, we do ministry within the church or as an extension of the church, but your wife using her gifts and, and, and doing architecture things and helping people and being there for people and just being an example of Christ is ministry. My wife going and doing social work things, helping the elderly, helping foster kids, doing all that, that is ministry. Mm -hmm. Just because it doesn't fall within the covering of a church does not mean that Jesus is not at the center of it. And so for us early on in this idea of me working in the church and her working in the marketplace, there was this understanding of, we're both going into our mission field. Mm-hmm. We're both doing ministry. Just because it looks different doesn't mean mine is more or less important than yours. And I think that's an important distinction is understanding that if you are a if you are a spouse of a pastor or you are a pastor and you have a spouse, understanding that one is not more important than the other. It's important to validate the work of your spouse because if they are truly committed to God, they're giving it their best not just for a paycheck, but to honor God and what they're doing. Yeah, and that's still going to be true, you know, it, that's going to be true no matter what work, Yeah. Uh, you know, your spouse is doing. If your spouse is is a stay-at-home mom or dad and uh, you've got a family that you are helping to raise, if you're homeschooling your kids, whatever it is, you know, that's your mission field. And, yeah. and you are called for a lifetime or for a season to, not for your lifetime, at some point your kids are going to grow up. Right. And, yeah. Sorry, that's Praise a, that, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I just totally ruined somebody's hopes and dreams. They're like, no, my kids <laughs> are staying at home forever. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's, it's not easy. No. You know, I, we're not going to diminish, uh, you know, anybody who is a stay at home parent just because they're not going out into a workplace. Stay, being a stay at home parent is not easy. And and that is a a mission field. That is a yeah. a calling that yeah. that you are called to, and that you are called to excel at. Or not? Well, yes, you can excel at. What I meant was to do it with excellence. I mean, my wife is in that category. She felt called about a year and a half, two years ago, to be a stay-at-home parent, and she did it for a year and a half and two years, and was amazing. Did she helped raise our kids? I was extra busy. She stepped in. She helped support me, which we're going to talk about in a second, but. Whatever you do, it is just so vital to just support, build up, and encourage your spouse and, and vice versa in that. Because what I where I think you get into trouble when it comes to blending this idea of family and ministry really is expectations, right? Like, like what as the pastor, what are my expectations for my spouse? And yep. what are their expectations? Because if they're different, there's a rub right there. Beyond that, what are your church's expectations for your spouse? Because if your church is expecting your spouse to be an extension of you, an unpaid one, 
at that, but you are like under the assumption that my wife is my wife or my husband is my husband and they're here to help and buy in, but they're not necessarily going to, they shouldn't be expected to be to a higher capacity. There's all these things of expectations. And, you know, I think we could camp out here for a long time, but I think wherever this is at, just the the biggest thing you got to pull away is communication and, and clearly define what are my spouse's expectations what do they feel that they are, and what does the church think about it? Right, making sure that you know if you are stepping into a role at your church, uh, that is that is something that is stated right away, and and the the expectations are clear. Uh, you know, there are there are some churches that when they hire a a youth pastor who is married, they are viewing that hiring as you know the the bad way to be say it a might two for be one special, for, right? A two for mm-hmm. one where. I'm hiring this youth pastor and I'm also hiring their spouse to, you know, to be a team over the youth ministry. And if that is, you know, I know some youth pastors where them and their spouse are both called to do that. And if that's what you're called to do and that's how you want to set it up, that's fine. If you want to set it up where, you know, I am called to youth ministry and my husband or wife is not, or they are called to maybe be a supporting piece, but they're not, this is like you are hiring me and me alone, then make sure that that expectation is is clearly defined uh, with your church and with your spouse. Both sides of that need to be clear. Kyle's getting a phone call, so I did not. Me- I hope that didn't come through, man. He, here, here is just the lovingly part about us is we're not a professional. Well, I mean, we're we're doing our best here, but we're 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 about as real as we get. So this is episode eight, and the first seven I've remembered yeah, to mute my phone. You have, yeah. Here I, in my I, I, lo- I love seeing just the look of dejection that came across your face when that started. I was to ring. so <laughs> disappointed in myself. This is going to be super awkward if the ring didn't actually come through on the. Microphone. Oh, it probably didn't. No, we're gonna us. have to. We're gonna have to record the ring separately and then artificially put it into the podcast. If it didn't, I'm I'm for it. I'm I'm with it. Unbelievable. Anyways, but let let let's let's jump back in because because this this idea of expectation or and and miss or a, a misunderstanding of expectation really can just create this rub. And I think it's safe to say this idea of balancing family and ministry is something that I know I think about really on a daily basis of making sure because really it's so easy to favor one side and it's so easy to like say well this ministry is my job and it's my calling and sometimes we can pin it on god of like (laughs) i'm called by god to do this so like you're gonna have to get over it and the reality is like it's a misalignment and so what i what i heard this from somebody and it is something that has become a foundational pillar for my wife and i and they said because they were asked about, like, how do you balance family and ministry? This is a very successful pastor. And they said, it's not. And they're and we're sitting there like, what are you talking about? And he talked about how a balance is meaning equal. Like, if things are balanced, it means they're equal. Family and ministry are not equal. Therefore, they should not be balanced. Like, you need to do both 100%. You need to do your ministry. You need to be a part of your family. But in terms of priority, it shouldn't be a balance at all. Like your family, your wife, your, your your marriage, whatever it is, it should come exceedingly above your ministry because biblically that's what we find is that God values our family above our work, above our need to go out and, and share the gospel, which sounds so crazy. It sounds so anti, you know, anti what we're taught here. It almost feels like we need to go and share the gospel at all costs, but I see way too many very successful people who preach to thousands and hundreds of thousands and and millions over the course of their life. And then you find out like they've been sleeping around, like their kids hate them. And like, man, we are doing such a disservice to the message of Jesus if we're letting our families crumble because we're so busy doing ministry. Right. It's shifting your perspective a little bit to, you know, less of a balance and more just a list of priorities yeah where you know your personal walk with god is number one on the list your family is number two on the list and and when we say family as number two on the list you can almost go into you know a sub list where your spouse is above your kids and your spouse and kids are above your extended family yep 
Right. You know, there's <laughs> your in-laws are farther down on that list than your spouse. <laughs> somebody needed to hear that. Can we get an that. amen on that Someone one? needed to hear that. <laughs> and so uh, somebody needed to hear that. Somebody else is like, oh my gosh, I'm pausing this, jumping back 30 seconds and going and showing this to my spouse yep. to make sure they heard it. Absolutely. Uh, so I apologize. Actually, well, I don't really apologize, but Derek and I might need to foot the bill for some marriage counseling. That I'm just... for it. I lo- <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a pro marriage counselor because that, that really is reality is we should not be winning souls on Sunday and losing our kids on Monday. We mm-hmm. should, we shouldn't be talking about how God restores marriages while ours just sits there and crumbles. Like we should be living out the message of Jesus. We should be living out the gospel message through our families and, and really a healthy family will allow you to minister out of that overflow. Like if you have a healthy, solid marriage, if you have a healthy, solid relationship with your kids, that is what's going to be seen. Like we always hear the, the common or the old adage of like actions speak louder than words, right? Like how true is this is especially I, I, I pastor in a smaller community, right? Like, I, I think our town's about 7,000. And so naturally, um, in a small town, if, you, if you're there for an extended period of time, everybody knows everybody. And so I might be at a football game, and they might not know that I, I'm a pastor of the Bridge Church, but they know that I'm with the same woman. We have a healthy, vibrant relationship. They see me loving on my kids. They see me being a good father. And that speaks out to them. That makes them ask the question of what's what's different? Like why why what do they have? And really at the center of it should be our relationship with Jesus is, is taking the center of that, you know? And so we pastors are always under a magnifying glass, for better or for worse. And so when we are under that magnifying glass, we better make sure that the things that are behind closed doors, the state of our families are in good shape. Yeah, and this is something that I actually, you know, recently uh, talked in a sermon about with our youth kids, is that ministry is not as glamorous as a lot of people think it is. You know, how many times have I heard, you know, we we go, we take our kids to summer camp, and I hear the speaker talking about, uh, you know, hey, if you feel like you're called into ministry, you know, this, that, the other thing. And they pump it up as as this awesome thing that every kid should aspire to be called into ministry, and I think that that's one of the reasons that you know a lot of pastors crash and burn yeah. is because they're in a position that they weren't called to. Yep, and that that can be really really dangerous when you when you get this picture of you know pastoring in your head as being the Sunday morning and the Wednesday night. And you don't have all of the other times of the week in your head and, and the balance uh, or the struggle to, to prioritize and the struggle to, uh, you know, get everything done and, and make sure that, you know, you are communicating well and all of these different things. You don't see that off the top of your head. You just see the Sunday mornings and the Wednesday nights. And so from from this perspective, right, everything that we talk about as pastors, everything that we you know, tell people that the Bible wants them to strive toward and that Christ wants them to strive toward, we have to be practicing. Yep. And, you know, am I the perfect husband? No. I wish I could say that I was. Amen. You know, am I working on it? I hope so. Yep. And, and you know, but I have to, I have to be striving toward being the best husband that I can be if I am going to encourage other youth pastors if I'm going to encourage people in our congregation to be the best husbands that they can be. I look at it goes back again to that mentorship piece. I know we mentioned that in the last episode, but the mentors in my life, I say this to them frequently. The ones that I look up to the most are the ones I look up to them from a ministry context, but the biggest piece I look up to them is that they are so good in their marriage, they're so good with their kids that's what I want to work on. How can I be the best dad, the best husband that I can be? Because the ministry will follow. If you are adamant about keeping your relationship with God rock solid, if you are committed and dedicated to making sure your family is in a good spot, your ministry will only succeed and follow those two things. It's when you try and get that list out of order and try to strive for your ministry, everything falls. Your relationship with God tanks, your family tanks, your ministry will inevitably tank because things are out of order. 
And so there are some very practical things that Kyle and I have talked about that we wanted to share with you guys about things that we've learned. I mean, we've, you've been married for three or four years. Three years? Three years. Okay. So, you know, I've been married for five. Uh, we have two kids. Obviously, Kyle and I are not sitting here with a deluge of different experience. We're not. I'm sorry. What was that word? Deluge. I guess. Wow. I, yeah. Word of the day. You know, coming in clutch. I like it. Keep using it. I was waiting for you to criticize me because it, you really use it for rain. Like it's a deluge out here. But I can confidently say I've never used it for rain. Okay. Well. Or anything else. Now you can. You're welcome. And I did not get it from toilet paper. Like you get your source of words. Word from. of the day: toilet paper, <laughs> greatest investment ever. I would learn like 25 words a day. But in any case, <laughs> nobody wanted to know that. Well, you're welcome. Back to marriage and family, right? Just we're killing the transitions. Wow. We are killing it. <clears throat> Tip number one. Prioritize your spouse. All right. Like this is something that full disclosure, full transparency. This is something that my wife and I are really wrestling with right now. Um, not just from the ministry standpoint, but we have two small children with very different schedules and it is a battle. And so this is these are the things that what we're going to share, it's not a matter of, whoa, that's revolutionary. I needed, you know, I never thought about that. It's more so, how are you going to implement this in your life and make this a priority to do this? Because if you don't, that's when everything else starts to crumble down. So when it comes to prioritizing your spouse, here are some things that I've learned that Kyle has learned to just really make sure your spouse comes first before ministry, really before anything in family. It's just to connect on a weekly basis. Um, we like to try and, uh, my wife and I, especially right when it comes to ministry, as Kyle mentioned earlier, we like to find distinct times where we talk about work and ministry and those things alone. Um, you know, we try to make sure that like we're connecting on that front and getting business out of the way, but at the same time, finding a time every week to do something that is just for her and I on a personal level, whether it's, um, you know, it's, it's not even going on a date necessarily. It's making sure like, okay, these two hours at night are carved out just for us. Like, we're not getting involved with other things. We're not letting kids or ministry or jobs or sometimes even friends get in on this. This is more so just her and I connecting every single week. Because if you don't do that, weeks turn into months, months turn into years, and you are missing your spouse the whole way. It's true. Connecting weekly is super important. The second one is to date monthly. Uh, finding that time at least once a month where you guys can get out of the house and, you know, again have a babysitter or something youth students are a phenomenal resource yes uh some of them the ones that you trust but uh finding an opportunity to go out to dinner uh you know i will i will use uh you know i i tell youth students all the time maybe not all the time but you know if you're going to take a girl on a first date don't go to a movie because yes. all you're going to do is sit there next to each other for two hours and not talk to each other yep and uh, you know, I, my wife and I love watching movies and it's great, but I, you know, don't count that as, as your date monthly, uh, you'll find an opportunity, like find some fun activity to do, go out to dinner, uh, go on a really long bike ride, just go for a drive. I don't whatever it is that you guys enjoy doing a hobby that you guys like to do together, uh, an adventure that you want to go on together, find an opportunity to just take an afternoon, take an evening, take a day each month that you guys can go and, and connect. And that allows you to actually communicate and talk because what we find out when we go on date nights is in the course of a given day or a given week, you're communicating a lot, but mm -hmm. a lot of it is, Hey, we're doing this and we're doing that. What do you think about this? How are you? How's your day? Those, those are all good conversations, but when you carve out that time to, date and to just be together you start to ask those questions of like how are you really doing like what are some of our dreams that we have going on and mm -hmm. you start to get to another depth of intimacy another depth of communication that you don't really have time for or you're preoccupied that you don't get to yeah you can communicate on a little bit more big picture basis where a lot of your daily communication gets bogged down in the details uh you know having that monthly breath breath of fresh air 
to communicate on a on a little bit more long term basis. Yeah, and which which really kind of ties into the next one as well because retreating yearly is huge. Kyle mentioned it earlier, but there is a youth pastor retreat that we get offered to every year. Uh, it's right before Thanksgiving every year, and it is by far probably my wife and I's favorite event ministry wise all year because it is a retreat it is a we get with other youth pastors we hang out we eat good food there's just good support and fellowship there but it's time away from our kids away from our church away from the responsibility of the day-to-day life that allows us to evaluate reflect and go like let god kind of fill us up and fill our hearts up and inevitably what happens is that overflows and we have more of a passion for ministry and big picture and personal things and so you know, for some people, retreats might look like an actual retreat, going somewhere to an awesome thing like that. But for some people, it's, man, we're going to retreat to our cabin for a, for a week with no kids. We're going to retreat to Florida or California and go on vacation, just my wife and I. Uh, just getting away from the responsibility of your everyday life, whether it's work, kids, you need to make space weekly, monthly, and yearly to just have that time just between you and your spouse. Yeah, and on that yearly retreat, you know, that's a great opportunity for for you guys to set and and check in on goals uh, that you have as a couple. Uh, it's a great it it can be a great opportunity, uh, you know, for you guys to talk a little bit about ministry. But please utilize that time to talk about something other than ministry. Yeah, you know, dive into. You know some of the goals that you guys have. Uh, you know, do we want that twelfth kid? Do we want? <laughs> no, you don't. No. Uh, you know, finding, uh, you know, discovering new hobbies and and just passions and and adventures that you guys like. Uh, you know, go. We're both from Minnesota. Take a week in January and go somewhere warm. Yes. Uh, you know, finding Amen. F- finding an opportunity for you guys to just connect and and get away from some of the distraction of of normal ministry life right turning off your work email not answering you know the work calls and the work texts uh being intentional about hey I'm going to and that goes for I mean when you guys date monthly you know same thing applies like there's very very little uh in ministry or in life in general that absolutely needs you to respond in the moment. So uh, you know, if people know that as a youth pastor, if people know that I am going on vacation, if it's really that important, you know, 10 times out of 10, they can go to our senior pastor or one of the other pastors on staff here at, at our church and communicate through them. Yep. And, uh, you know, that allows me to be present yeah. uh, on the vacation or on the date or the retreat, whatever that I'm on. Yep. And then the last one that we want to talk about that is uh, is getting away from your kids, and I find this super easy. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. No, it it honestly like straight up is a grind right now because right now we have we have a three year old who just turned three, and we have an eight month old, and the three year old is is crazy and somewhat self sufficient, but obviously the eight month old isn't, and so it really comes down to we're reliant on babysitters and in our stage of life, like we love our youth students, but the reality is there are very few who can handle two kids at once, yep. let alone the ones that are that young. So it comes down to my parents or someone who's close. Uh, and it, it's just a challenge, you know? And so for my wife and I, it's getting creative of how to be away from your kids. And so, uh, what we do is lock them in a different room. Amen. <laughs> Sorry, our three-year-old does get locked away like not like actually locked away no, but we, we, met, call, we call it quiet time i've and, met your three-year-old he is one of those kids that is content to just play by himself for yep. hours on end yep it is impressive it's, it's amazing it's amazing but what we do um and this is about to sound contradictory to everything we just said but you'll see where i'm going in this stage of life the way i can prioritize my spouse is getting her some alone solitude time so to get away from kids, I will send her. Well, you are a kid. So yes, getting away she, from she, you she has three kids, really. I only have two. Uh, she loves a grocery shop. I'll send her to Trader Joe's. She'll get her coffee. She'll take her time. She'll peruse through home goods. She will have time to just be her. 
I go on hunting trips every single fall. It's time away from my kids. It's it's so good for your mental sanity to just get away from your kids and prioritize your marriage, even if it is in those ways. But um, parents, you get that. You're you're probably pros at that. The, now the, hold on though, because I do wanna I do wanna just touch briefly. I, you know, the the youth pastor with no kids in the room here. Please. You know, I, yeah, you, you're like, oh, this should be good. Now I, I think it's I I don't want to brush over the importance of you know taking a step away from your kids every once in a while you know even often if, is it probably a better well yeah word. that's probably fair even if you are the person where god has called me to be a stay at home spouse and raise our kids and my kids are my world and i love them so much be careful that you are not putting that calling and putting that above your relationship with your spouse. And that might be, and, and again, even all of that should be underneath your relationship, your one-on-one relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so, like Derek said, you know, when when you send your wife to Trader Joe's by herself, that's an opportunity for her to just refresh and relax. It's also probably an opportunity for her to just take a breath, and yeah. spiritually that can be a good thing for her. Yep. You on your hunting trips. I don't understand why sitting cold and wet in a tree for 14 hours is a fun thing. I agree with you. That's why I sit in a duck blind. <laughs> but it can be like that's an opportunity for you, you know, if I were alone for 14 hours hunting, I'd probably talk to God once or twice. Yep. Uh, you know, getting away from your kids and just connecting with your spouse as a family, it's great, but also making sure that your spouse is above your kids on that priority list. Something my wife and I talk about is probably so many people say, you know, my kids are my world. It's kind of a sad world. Like, <laughs> It is. You know it what makes, I'm saying? It makes kids sound awful. Well, no. Okay. So, okay. I know we've been ragging our kids. I absolutely love my kids. Straight up, I didn't know the joy, this type of joy existed before I had kids. There is just something so, like, kids are just so pure and so amazing. But they are, they require a lot of work, a lot of energy, a lot of time. Um, and, and I don't want to just make it seem awful because I love my kids. But, like, your kids should fit into your world. They should not become your world. Like the, the, the parents, I see that literally their entire life changes when they have kids. Like for like, you, I, so there's, I see, there's a balance to it because my yes. entire life changed when I got married and, and there were, there were some friends that changed when I got married because you make couple friends and you yeah. know, you're, you, there's a couple, some of those things shift a will shift a little bit and yeah I, I think again this is the guy with no kids talking in the room but uh so if you disagree with me maybe just tune me out for the next couple couple minutes but you know from a parenting style standpoint even you know there you might you might find yourself really good friends with somebody and then you both have kids and it turns out that their parenting style is just the exact opposite of yours and it, it turns out that you know, maybe, maybe they don't care. Like, okay, they had kids, but they couldn't care less about it. And you really, really love your kids and yep. you want to invest in your kids. Yep. And, and those, and that just causes people to drift apart a little bit. It's not yep. the end of the world, no. I think. But what we're saying is, you know, that just because you have kids, just because you have a pet, just because you are in ministry and have that position within your church or just because you volunteer in this position in your church, that does not change the priority list yep. that we talked about earlier. Yep. Yeah, and, and a lot of ways you can protect that really is just leveraging your, your, your schedule, leveraging mm-hmm. the flexibility in your schedule because that, that really is where ministry um, is it's one of the tougher parts and at the same time, one of the easier parts. And so what I mean by leveraging your flexibility is contrary to a finance person or contra- contrary to someone who needs to be in the office every single day, nine to five, the downside of that is you're in the office every day, nine to five. The plus side is you get to turn your phone off and be done. Ministry, we don't have a nine to five, at least I don't. We have general... Uh, patterns and office hours and that type of thing but at the same time I have the ability if it's been a crazy week and I didn't see my kids hardly at all last week because I was doing extra ministry events I was at a youth convention 
it's not a huge deal for me to drive and pick up my kids from daycare early one day and take them for ice cream, take them to the zoo. Like, How come you never take me for ice cream? Because you're too expensive. That's fair. I probably eat more than both your kids combined. And you make a bigger mess than they do. I find that hard to believe. That, yeah, okay, that, that was a lie. But in any case. <laughs> but something I love to do is uh, surprising my wife. Uh, it hasn't happened a ton as of late. Uh, but like surprising my wife. I shouldn't say that. I did it a couple weeks ago. I love to just bring her food when she's not expecting it. Like just taking a break out of my day to go get us food or go get her a cup of coffee. Like you have the flexibility in ministry to you do not have to be super, super, super rigid. So instead of letting your schedule just continually rob your family, like use your schedule to bless your family. Use your your schedule to help them. And and, and finding times to of finding pockets of time to compensate doing extra stuff. I know I just mentioned this. This it's funny that we're talking about this right now because it's literally something I'm living in this moment. Uh, my pastor got sick two days ago which means he was supposed to do a wedding tomorrow and rehearsal tonight. I have had a very busy week, but because he's sick, I'm stepping in for him. Mm -hmm. So that means I'm not home for dinner tonight. I'm not going to see my wife more than saying, hi, love you, bye, kissing her out the door, and I'll get home late. Tomorrow I won't see her at all because I'm going from work to the wedding to an event with someone from our church. Won't see her at all. Like, that's ministry, right? Like it, the schedule is very unpredictable. There are things that come up that you absolutely 100% need to be at that you can't get out of. And so instead of just going into my week next week and just going as normal, I'm going to compensate by like taking some extra time off and and really blessing my family by being present, being available, and just leveraging that flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. It can be... Uh, it can be a blessing, you know, there, there, there are good things to, to being a youth pastor and being in ministry. And, you know, obviously that, that goes a little bit more for, uh, you know, both of us being full time, uh, in ministry, but, you know, everybody's schedule is, you know, there's going to be ways that you can, you know, be a little bit spontaneous, which, which can be really good. Yeah. And, and with that, you can, you can get creative too. Like, you don't have to draw a line in the sand and say ministry's over here, my family's over here. Like, man, invite your family into your ministry. Like, my kids love Wednesday nights. They love to hang out with the youth students. They love to just run around. Like, I'm not one of those pastors who, like, gets mad when my kid runs up on stage. Like, I love to welcome because the kids love it. He loves it. Like, your family should be a part of your ministry. If you, again, if you have your list of priorities right, they'll catch your heart for ministry just because you have a heart for them and you have a heart for the kids. And mm-hmm. so like, let them be a part of it. Um, someone I look up to a lot, his name is Kirby. Uh, his wife uh, shared this, like there were times the pastor Kirby had to miss their son's football game. They had to miss dinner because stuff comes up and Des, his wife was awesome. And was like, you know what kid, isn't it so cool that dad gets to go help people? Like, isn't that so cool that dad gets to do that? And the kids are of course are like, yeah, that's awesome. And so naturally now they're in ministry with him, like they're mm-hmm. helping him with him. And so if you do it correctly, your kids can be in your ministry with you. Yeah. And it also, you know, guards against some of the animosity that can grow in those situations yeah. where if, you know, like you said, something comes up where, you know, oh, mom, you know, pastor has to go and, and do something, be somewhere and yep. misses kids game or misses dinner or whatever it is, you know, when, when that is presented as, oh, well, you know, they're working you know, oh, Derek's working again. Yep. You know, that that creates kind of that negative view toward it. Whereas, you know, like you said, when Des, you know, when when she phrases it to her kids, oh, like, isn't it awesome? Dad gets to go help people. Like, oh, dad, dad couldn't be here, but he's helping somebody, which is really cool. Yeah. That creates that, that positive view in your kid's mind. And, you know, if it happens over and over and over and over and over again, okay, maybe we need sure. to revisit something. Yep. But, you know, the times that it does happen, then, you know, your kid is not fostering this resentment towards you because you got pulled, you know, into something with ministry. And and there, like Kyle said, there are those things like I can't, I mean, I could say no to this wedding, but like really I can't. But because I've drawn appropriate boundaries in my life, when these things do come up, it doesn't derail our entire family. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the piece I, I, I really want to just press into here for these last few minutes is 
the importance of drawing boundaries. And especially if you are single in this podcast, you've made it this far. Well done. <laughs> like we're thankful for you. They really love that. Those are the people that really love They're us. committed. They're really good friends of the show. We will get to you. All right. We got something at the end for you. And, but this, this is a universal concept, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, this is a universal concept of if you're in ministry, you need to have boundaries. Uh, something that I am doing is at a certain time, my phone gets plugged in on my nightstand and I don't check it. So even if someone's dying, I, you can't get a hold of me on my phone. Like it just, I need to be a present dad, a present father, a present person right now. And so my fam, my, you are not going to be able to get a hold of me. And so like maybe for you, make that a priority of just turning your phone off for a time. And I want to stress that there is a workaround in case someone literally is dying yes. in this system. Yes. It's called Derek's wife. Uh, you know, where if if somebody knows Derek well enough that somebody dying or one of those really high level emergencies, they absolutely need to get a hold of Derek. Well, that person likely also knows Derek's wife. Correct. And they can get a hold of her who will then get a hold of Derek in that situation. But I can attest, like, there are a lot of other notifications and, and, you know, emails and texts and whatever that can come in that if you don't set aside those times to to be present with your family and I'm going to shut my phone off and whatever, then all of those can can add up really quickly. And I will say, because I know my wife is going to listen to this podcast episode, this is not something that I was great at. No, and I'm still I, working on this. I, I like to think I'm getting better. Definitely still room for improvement. Yep. Uh, but I think that this is something especially, uh, man, I was about to date myself or something like, yeah, now that cell phones are a thing. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that I can date myself a whole lot. No, no. There, there are but, older people that would sit here and just shake their head at you right now. Probably. In, the, in that same train of thought, um, I think it's so important to have that distinction of Kyle mentioned this earlier when he takes a walk with his wife. Having a decompression time is really, really vital. Um, just because, again, our wives, our spouses are a part of our ministry. So there are times when I come home and we're talking about ministry because I need her input. I need her whatever. But at the same time, she's looked at me and said like, okay, enough ministry right now. Let's just mm-hmm. be present. And I really love and respect her for that. And so um, I've adopted that to myself too. Like there are days where it's like, I don't need to talk to my wife about ministry right now. I'm leaving the church. I'm done for the day. So for me, that means sometimes I turn on a leisurely podcast. Maybe it's fantasy football. Maybe it's dog training. Something that gets my head out of ministry context. Um, sometimes I've been known to, I take a, the long way home. I take extra laps around the block just because I need time to get these heavy burdens that I'm feeling, leave them at the Lord's feet, let them go, and just truly, so when I walk through the door, I'm not carrying the weight of my day on my shoulders for my family to take because then at the same time, they're taking it now too. You can turn on worship music. You can call your, I, there have been times it's like, okay, I need to run this by my wife, but I know when I want, when I get home, I want to be done. So I'm going to call her on my way home because, hey, what do you think about this? Here's what's going on. Cool. Thanks. I love you. I'll see you soon. That way when I come home, I'm dad and husband and not pastor. Right. And, and these are all, uh, you know, things that like, we're not, we're not saying every single one of these things, every single pastor should do. Uh, you know, these are, these are things that can be tools in your, and should be tools in your tool belt where, you know, we, these are opportunities to, to decompress. These are avenues to, you know, get the distractions out of the way. Uh, you know, if, if both you and your spouse work, maybe it's, Hey, let's come home and, and right. We're sharing the highlight reels. Like, Hey, here's like the top three things, talking points from, from work today. Yep. And, you know, for me, like maybe my Mondays typically are a lot of sermon prep. There might not be as many, uh, you know, talking points on those days versus Tuesdays for me, you know, those are when our staff meetings happen. And so then I can go home and share like, yeah, these are some of the things we talked about in staff meetings, some of the new things going on or events coming up, uh, you know, some of the fun things like that. I might want to share a little bit more than that. 
or more on on some of those days. And so, you know, again, all of that to say, this is not a one size fits all. Do all of these things, and then you're good to go. You need to make it personal for you. That's, exactly. That, that's the whole nature of right, this is right. finding ways that you can integrate those two things. And so. You know, like obviously just just guard your time. Make sure you're not getting so bogged down with tasks and ministry things that you have no time for Jesus, no time just to sit and be silent. Uh, like but those are things that you that you relatively know. But we want to wrap up with this idea of being single in ministry because the reality is people are listening right now that might be at North Central, they might be preparing for ministry, you might be in ministry and you're single and Sometimes it can feel like you're getting passed over. And so we just want to touch on this a little bit because a lot of these principles apply to you as well. Yeah. The number one thing is that you don't matter and that you have to get married. <laughs> uh, if you're single, then who cares? No, I'm just <laughs> no honestly. And Kyle's fired. Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, you know, read the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was pretty passionate about really enjoying being single. And, and it unlocking some of the things that he was able to do that he would not have been able to do if he was married. Uh, you know, being able to go on missions trips for years at a time. Hey, I'm in Ephesus, and all of a sudden I've decided I'm going to stop and pastor here for two or three years. You know, those decisions don't get made when you have a wife and a family that you're also factoring into the equation. But the the biggest there's there's two key things that we want to talk about when it comes to being single in ministry that is going to set you up for success and the first one it goes for everybody is is still creating healthy boundaries right uh i i've seen people that are single in ministry uh you know kind of have their time or their you know compensation or whatever it is be abused a little bit because, you know, oh, you don't have a family, you don't have a spouse, and so you can work a little bit more. You don't need the extra whatever it is because you're only one person. Right, yeah, we can pay you less than the person that's married or the person that's married with three or four kids sure. because your bills are lower. Uh, you know, oh, and, and, you know, the, from the time piece too, I think that's the big one where oh, yeah. you, we can expect more of you from a time perspective because you're not married or because you don't have a family. Uh, you know, and, and if that's your, if you're passionate about, you know, still being involved in some of these things, that's great, but still having some healthy boundaries where you can say, Hey, I, I need to draw a line here. I need to, you know, still get away and retreat and spend just some time alone with God. Uh, those are going to be really, really important, especially because if you are single and at some point you you would like to get married and you would like to have a family, you're still going to have to have those healthy boundaries. They're just going to move and shift a little bit yep. as to where those lines are. But if you have practiced having healthy boundaries when in, in, in season number one, then when you move to a, a different season, you're... You, you're not going to struggle to maintain those healthy boundaries. You're just going to shift a little bit where the line is. It's an unconditional response you've been doing for this long. And so when you actually are married, it's going to just translate over really well. Right. And when, if you're not, you know, if you're like, hey, that's fine, but I'm single and I don't ever want to be married. Guess what? You're still going to need healthy boundaries yep. because that's going to increase your longevity in ministry. 100%. At some point, if you do not have healthy boundaries, you are going to burn out. Even if you don't have any other hobbies that take up time, you don't have any other relationships that you want to invest in, all you want to do is ministry. If you do not have healthy boundaries, you will burn out. Amen. I think we can end it there, but I I want to I want to finish with this because this is this is where I really think that we all need to have. And sometimes, if you're single in ministry, this can get passed over. And it just comes down to a support system. I am super thankful that the first person, almost indefinitely, when there is something going on in ministry, good, bad, or ugly, the first person to hear about it is my wife. And she is the most amazing support system I have. I have a great support system of, of people around me that are on my teams that are that I work with that are just awesome. But but my wife is a built-in support system. And she is there for me. I'm there for her. When you're single, sometimes it can be like, oh, I don't have that. And so you can kind of isolate yourself unintentionally. But have someone that can support you, that can hear you out, that can be your sounding board and give you that emotional support that you need. And honestly, 
it's probably outside of the church because you need to have a place that is safe to vent, to talk about the good and ugly parts about church because they do exist. But having a solid support system, especially if you're single, is so, so vital. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna end with this one plug that, uh, you know, youth pastors or pastors in general, let me rephrase that, just people in general do not utilize enough. Yeah. If you're looking for, everybody needs that sounding board and that, that outlet. Every single pastor needs to have at least one person outside of their church that they can bounce stuff off of. Counseling is a great thing. And and if you are single in ministry and you don't have anybody that that you know uh, outside of your church, man, find some counseling. See if your church is willing to, you know, to, to foot the bill for, you know, once or twice a month for you to just go and, and talk and process with somebody that is going to increase your longevity in ministry Amen. exponentially. Do it. Love it. Counseling is amazing. Awesome. Well, Hey, that does it for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. You know, the drill by now, man, like us and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple podcasts so that you get notified every single Thursday, uh, when a new episode drops our email, how to be, how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, from you guys and maybe have, uh, if you got any questions, uh, you might be featured on uh, the quick question of a podcast episode, or you just might be the subject of a podcast episode altogether. Amen. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. All right. I'm going to go take my wife on a date. Goodbye. Goodbye.